I've, I've had a troubled spirit for the past couple months. There's been some things on my heart, some burdens on my heart that I've been bringing to God. I've had some questions for God. There's some things that in this house we've been praying for and we haven't seen yet. There's some lost loved ones that we've all been praying for. They're still not here. There's some broken hearts and broken homes that we've been praying for God to minister in, and they're still broken. And we know in this house there's some sickness and disease that we've been praying for a healing for. We've not yet seen that come to pass. And it troubled me to the point to where I said, God, I've got some questions, and I, I, I need to understand some things, God. And I can't tell you tonight that I have a, a direct answer for you of why God does and allows the things that he does. I, I can't understand that. But I've come to the conclusion that we have to take this book face value. Lay it on the table and take it for what it is. We got to remind ourselves of what the word of God says in the midst of this what seems like a repetition of believing for the same thing over and over and you see the same thing over and over. I'm reminded of a man named Naaman who was a leper in the Bible who came to the prophet Elisha and said, I want a healing. And he said, okay, go to the river Jordan and dip seven times and when you come out, you'll be healed. Naaman didn't like that because the Jordan River was a muddy, dirty river. He said, well, what about the abandoned Parfar River? They're clear. He said, why couldn't you just wave your hand over me and just instantaneously be healed? How many times do we want that? Well, God, I don't want to do that. Why can't you just wave your hand and give me a supernatural, instantaneous, spontaneous miracle right here, right now, God? Well, Naaman walked away angry, and he left. And one of the servants came to him and said, what are you doing? If the man would have told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Isn't it good to have somebody slap you in the face and say, open your eyes up, you fool. What are you doing? Sometimes we need the word of God to slap us in the face. So Naaman went back and he did what the prophet told him. And after the seventh dip, he came out and he was healed. But I thought about this story and I've got... I had two questions. I thought to myself, what if, number one, if Naaman would have stayed angry at Elisha, not listened to the servant, and left and not went to that Jordan? Well, what would have happened? He would have died a leper is what would have happened. Secondly, what would have happened if on the fifth or sixth dip he would have given up? What would have happened after dipping in that muddy water the fifth or sixth time? He says, this is stupid. He's making a fool out of me. How many times do we do what we know is right? We come to church, we serve the Lord, we pray, we fast, we pay our tithes, we're faithful to God, but it seems that the circumstance and the situation stays the same. I can't explain that to you tonight, but all I can tell you is, are we on the fifth or sixth dip? What would God say to us tonight? Have we lost our vision of what God promised and what he can do? What happens is fear gets in the mix. 
It's the fear of the unknown. And so we start to try to figure out and we start to try to make a reason for what's happening or what's not happening. We start to rationalize. And what fear does, fear suppresses our ability to actually hear the Spirit of God speak to us. Fear comes in and tries to twist your thinking to where when the Spirit of God tries to speak into your life, you don't hear it. So the Spirit of the Lord would say to us tonight, be not afraid, only believe. Say that with me. Say, be not afraid, only believe. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Start with verse 21. The Word of God says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Let's skip over to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he said to them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but she sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, I love that. You got to put the doubters out. Sometimes you got to put your own thinking out. It's not just people. You got to put your own thinking out to make room for the word of God and what his promises says. So Jesus said he put them out. And then he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted. He said, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. A lot can happen between the time when you ask God for something and the time that you receive it. A lot. In fact, I intentionally skipped the middle of this chapter. It's a whole other story about a woman with the issue of blood who was dying, who spent every dime she had to get healed, and she wasn't healed. She was dying. She, she lost all of her money in doctors. And all of a sudden, she sees this man that she had heard who could heal, and she didn't wait. She took her opportunity to touch Jesus when he passed by. How many times do we hesitate when the Spirit of God passes by, even in this service? We hesitate because we think, well, I don't know. The old song says, reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. Jesus is never too busy. In fact, we see that she reached up and just touched just a tassel of his garment, and we know the story, she was healed. 
Well, the next part of the story, after all that was over with, they get closer to their synagogue ruler's house and someone comes out and says, why are you wasting the rabbi or Jesus's time? She's done dead. Forget about it. It's all over with. You've wasted your time. And I thought about this story about the middle of this. I thought, well, why would, why would the Holy Spirit orchestrate this miraculous situation? Why didn't he just why didn't he just tell that woman, just hold your horses until let me get this little girl healed, and then I'll come back to you? You see, because this ruler of the synagogue, he could have been thinking what, let's just say some of us carnally could have been thinking, wait a minute, hurry up, Jesus, my daughter's dying. I ain't got time for this. I'm not worried about that woman. I got a child that's dead. He could have been jealous. That's what the enemy wants. But see what the Spirit of God was doing, and this is what I feel. When God tells you he's going to do something, sometimes we need a little supernatural understanding of how he's going to do or what he's going to do. And sometimes God will allow you to witness someone receive what you need. How will we handle that? Okay, you're praying for a a financial need, and you come to church and you hear someone say, well, praise God, I found $1,000 in my mailbox today. Well, it wasn't my mailbox. It ain't doing me no good. Or we could say, wait a minute, thank you, Lord. You're no respecter of person. If you did it for them, you can do it for me. You see, the Holy Spirit orchestrated that woman to be healed in between the waiting of that little girl's miracle to prove to the Father, listen, let me show you what a miracle looks like before I do it. Let me show you what it looks like. Because we're fixing to, you, I told you he put him out. I told you he put the doubt out. So the Holy Spirit knew I can't have doubt in the Father's heart. So let me show him what I'm going to do so there's no doubt in his heart so that I can bring him in the room. We can doubt what God can do for our own children if we don't watch out. But the Holy Spirit orchestrated a miracle before a miracle to prepare the father for what he needed to have the faith for what was going to happen to his daughter. Ah. During the, uh, the MIP internship program, we had to watch some videos, and one of the professors made a statement on the video. He was talking about the Spirit of God working and manifesting himself in Pentecostal services and how the power of God falls and how some churches resist the Holy Spirit moving. Some, some churches and some pastors aren't comfortable with Tongues and interpretation and the Spirit of God, you know, someone singing or shouting. Some churches aren't, aren't comfortable with miracles. He said, it's risky. That's why. It's risky to believe in the supernatural because you can't see it. It's risky to stand up and say, I believe in the healing power of God when the doctors are giving no good report. It's risky to let the Spirit of God work through you and give a, a word of tongue and interpretation because people may not understand it. It's risky because what if it's your flesh or what if it's God? But see, it's fear that's behind that. The, the hindrance in believing in the supernatural, it's fear of the unknown. 
see, the word of God says perfect love casts out our fear. So when we're in the right relationship with Jesus, that perfect love connection, we're saved, living a sanctified life full of the Holy Ghost, that perfect love casts out fear. I've had to deal with that fear. It's not easy to believe in the supernatural. It's not easy to say, Lord, use me in the supernatural because it is risky. But there's no risk when the Holy Ghost is in it. When you know that you know that you know that you're in right standing with God and that you're prayed up and the Spirit of God uses you to pray for or to believe a healing or to believe a miracle, know that it's God working and there is no risk when God is in it. Amen? But have we clothed ourselves with where the fear starts? Have we clothed ourselves with carnal thinking or spiritual thinking? And this all goes back to leaning on our own understanding. Because the word of God tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to not lean on our own understanding. Because our understanding tries to rationalize and tries to figure out how God can do something. And by now, we ought to know God don't work on our terms. There is a whole nother realm that you cannot see. In fact, I think of Elisha when they walked out one morning, him and his servant. And his servant looked up and they seen around the hill there was these, the army. The enemy was coming against him and the servant started to panic. And Elisha said, don't worry about it, my friend. He said, why, why? And Elisha said, God opened his eyes to what I see. And the, the spirit of God opened the servant's eyes and behind the enemy, there were chariots and angels of armies of heaven that was greater and behind. Oh God, that the veil would come off of our eyes in the spirit that we can see that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. And above and beyond and behind every situation that we're praying for, for God to move in, behind that, God is working in our midst. We, we can't see it with these eyes, but see, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's when are we going to come to that understanding that we can't go by what we see? Because what we see is then got us in enough trouble as it is. What we see and what we perceive in our own understanding is what causes us to doubt. And we blame God for the situations we're in when we're not walking in the spirit. And it's not always, I'm not just talking about resisting temptation to go sin or adultery or lust. I'm talking about resist the sin to doubt. Resisting the that urge to lean on your own understanding and it takes walking in the spirit of right relationship with God. Are we arming ourselves for battle in the spirit against the spirit of doubt and fear? Ephesians 6, 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Say this with me, shield of faith. Let me tell you something about the Roman shields and what they would have to do. They would construct them shields of uh, multiple layers of wood, and they would stretch a piece of leather over this shield. Huge shield. And this leather, everybody knows that after a while, leather starts to dry and crack up. So they would have to keep these, this piece of leather soft and moistened. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why do they need to wet the shield for? Well, because... The Bible is talking spiritual, but literally when it says the fiery darts of the wicked, 
in literal terms, when they would go to battle, there would be the enemy and some people would like these, these arrows on fire and shoot them. And if their sword was, if their shield was dried up, it would catch on fire. But what they would do is they would soak that leather in water and let it saturate. Then they'd soak it with oil. Can I tell you tonight that you are not protected from the fiery darts of the enemy until you've had the washing of the water of the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It takes them both. I'm telling you, you can't do it without the anointing. How in the world can I believe for a miracle that I can't see? You can't do it without the word and you can't do it without the anointing. We've got to be covered by the word. We've got to be covered by the Holy Spirit. That's why it says walk in the spirit. Church, it takes some effort for me to even understand what I'm saying to you right now for the past two months. I don't, I don't even want to tell you the battle I've been fighting in the spirit. What, what God has, has, he led me on a fast about a month and a half ago, longer than I've ever fasted in my life. When I came off of the fast, toward the end of it, I was weak as water, and, I, and even my spirit was weak. I, I just felt the enemy coming against me. I felt temptation in my mind to doubt. I, I just felt this battle. I thought, God, why do I feel like this? I thought when you come off a of fast, you're supposed to feel strengthened and a spiritual high. And the Spirit of God reminded me that after the 40-day fast that Jesus fasted, oh, he was weak as water. And who was it that came standing right beside of him. Oh, it was old Slewfoot. It was the devil tempted him, trying to turn the rocks into bread, trying to commit suicide, trying to bow down and worship him. And after he resisted the enemy with the word of God, then the strength came. Amen. Uh, who said this was going to be easy? The Bible says, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. He didn't say, just slip right on through it and I'll make it rosy posy all the way. He said, there's a pressing. There is a pressing to get to where God wants us to be. And guess what? After I came out of that fast, guess what? Guess what? I thought, well, Lord, I've got, I'm going to go uh, get a word and I'm going to go preach it and be strong. And you know what? The Lord, just, I got on my knees to pray and I, there's times when you get to pray, when you, when you start to understand what the, how the Spirit of God works, there were some people's faces that just started to just vaguely run through my mind and my heart, and there were some situations that often I'd get on my knees and I'd pray, and I'd feel that, and I thought, that's just my mind. Situations that I needed to work on right here. Unforgiveness, grudge, right sin right in here and here I'm thinking oh after this fast I'm just going to be able to just be all super spiritual and God said no 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 you got some cleaning up to do first take the mote out of your eye before you worry about someone else's toothpick in their eye oh my lord talk about Before God can use us, he's got to clean us. We got to let him clean us. Oh, God, I had to repent. I had to say, God, I forgive in spite of whether I'm right or wrong. I've got to forgive, God. See, we try to go around. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate. 
But see, we try to go around it to try to get away from what God wants to do inside of us. Oh, we want to see these miracles. We want to get our prayers answered. But God said, wait a minute. In fact, I'm reminded of the, the, uh, the, the friends that couldn't get into the, to the, uh, the preaching concert when Jesus was in, some, in someone's house and it was so packed full they couldn't get through the door. So they stood up on the roof and they tore the roof down and the man was crippled. He needed a healing. Well, the first thing Jesus said is, thy sins be forgiven. And they're like, what in the world is he talking about? God is more concerned about the condition of your heart than he is the condition of your body. He is concerned about what's going on inside of us because he knows that if we make room for him, we will be full of the spirit. We will be in tune with him and walking and doing what he's called us to do. Turn to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17 Verses 8 through 13. Thank you, Jesus. Then came Amalek. You ever been surprised? Amalek was the enemy. Everything was okay. And then came Amalek. I've had those days before. And fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, on the other, the other, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. We need to hear a word from God before we can... It's not just hearing the word. We've got to experience the word, okay? So we can, we can hear a word by reading it, but when you get a, 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 a rhema word, which is the spirit of God speaking, taking what's already in here, and it hits you like a ton of bricks in here, that's a rhema. When we get a rhema word, like be not afraid, only believe. Therein lies the strength. There are, there are times when we have to be strength for others. If we're the body of Christ and we are to be Jesus to others, there are times when in, because of battles and because of weakness, we have to be strength for others. You see... God could have given Moses supernatural strength. Listen to this. This is uh, when I come to this understanding, I'm just thankful to God for him to help me to understand this. God could have given Moses supernatural strength to just hold his arms up. All he was doing was this, but he was holding the rod up in his hands, which, by the way, typified as a type and shadow of the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. 
So he, he could have had supernatural strength to hold his arms up. But God chose to teach us through these two men, Aaron and Hur, what it means to bear one another's burdens and what it means to have unity and how the body of Christ works together. We have a pastor who is fighting a battle, not just physically with Sister Lisa, but what he has to face on a weekly basis, trying to continue to do the work of God and to do the will of God. And so in this battle that we face as a church with our situations and our circumstances together, just like Moses, he became weary. Church, we're all human. There is no one super except when the anointing comes upon them. And, the, and God's super is upon our natural, and that's what becomes supernatural. But at, all, at times, we all become weak. We all become tired. But it's not for us to be judgmental. It's not for us to try to wonder and think why things are. No, it's time to become one body of Christ. It's time to say, okay, you know what? It's time to take the left arm and the right arm of our pastor and sit him down and say, you keep your hands up. We're going to keep fighting for you. It's not time to try to wonder what's going to happen or what, what, what's going on. It's time to war in the spirit. It's time to war in the spirit, not in the flesh. It's time to turn off that mind, that carnal mind, and put on the helmet of salvation and put up that shield of faith. It's time to go to battle. The Bible says when Aaron and Hur sit Moses down and kept his arms holding them up. I'm telling you, we are under the covering of our pastor, our shepherd that God has set over. We're under his covering. So what happens to him happens to us. We are to bear one another's burdens. And it is, it is our place to pray as leaders. And I know there's people that, that come sometimes on a weekly basis that may not understand. And they may think, well, well this, is, this is up, this is down. I don't understand what's going on. But in the spirit, God stays the same. The report of the doctors does not affect God. It, it does, that does nothing to God. Because when God promises something... No matter what, he's going to do it. But can I tell you, for it to happen, we've got to stand in faith. Oh, uh, Lord, help us not to step out of that river, Jordan, on the fifth or sixth dip before we see the hand of God move in this congregation because we're tired of the same thing happening over and over. No, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be committed. We've got to stand firm. We've got to be patient. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Hey, God, don't work always like this. There may be something he's trying to teach this congregation. There may be something he's trying to teach. And, God, I don't want to miss a lesson from the master. I don't want to miss it. And you'll miss it if you try to figure it out on your own. But what happens is when trouble comes, we need to get in the word of God and say, God, what are you doing? Show us a story that relates to us so that we can know how to pray in the spirit.
Because if you, if, you get, if, if you get a spiritual mind, oh, my Lord, let me tell you, if we were all together in unity on what we knew God was doing, that's why the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. They were all in one mind. They were all in one accord. They weren't trying to figure out why did Jesus get killed? Why did he leave us here? He told us he was in the comforter, but I don't see him yet. No, they stood on the word that said, just tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. He said, I'm going to send the comforter. And in one mind and one accord, the Holy Ghost came down. And because of that, hey, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of me and lives inside of you. So don't tell me you don't have the power to believe in the supernatural because the same power that Jesus had to heal the sick, to set free the demoniac, to raise the dead, it lives inside, remember your phrase that, he lives inside of me and he lives inside of you. Lord, slap us in the face and the spirit, wake us up, God. What are we doing, God? Your word says something, God, and we got to believe it. You said you can heal. We believe it, God. I don't care what my flesh is. I don't care what the doctors say. We believe you're still the healer. You said that you, the word of God said he sent his word and healed our disease. He sent his word and he healed our disease. Hey, we may not have Jesus tangible, but we have his word right here, and his word heals our disease. Where's our faith? Where's our faith? Sometimes we just need that word. Sometimes we just need that awakening word. Sometimes uh, we, you ever been dazed and you just needed someone just snap out of it. Snap out of the doubt. Snap out of the fear. Snap out of the worry. We're still serving the God that came to Brownsville Assembly of God and had a revival that lasted for years. We're still serving the same God that sent his spirit to Azusa Street in California. And the power of God came and our denomination was, was grown from it. It's, he's still the same. Well, what does that mean? Something's changed with us then. What are we seeing and what are we saying and what are we believing? Where is the glory? I heard Tim Hill minister at Tommy Bates Church service and I watched it the other night and I was shouting all around the house. He said when King Saul came in to be king, the Bible says, which is true, there's, they didn't question where's the glory. He didn't question it. But when David came into the throne, the first thing that he did to set in motion, he said, I'm not worried about me being a king. He said, we need to find where's the ark. You see, the ark, the Philistines had done came and raided the tabernacle, and they took the ark, and they took the glory of God. So David went to Nashon's threshing floor and said, we're going to get it. So David went to get it, but, but listen, listen to this. This is just, this has been in my spirit. He said, David was so excited to get the glory of God back. He gets to Nashon's dressing floor and he gets his beautiful cart and he puts the ark on the cart and he goes back to where, to Jerusalem on his way back. And all of a sudden the cart hits a bump. A bump in the road will always test a method. The Ark of the Covenant began to wobble a little bit, and this man Uzzah tried to stable, tried to stabilize God, tried to level him out, tried to, oh, don't let him slide that way. Keep him, oh, keep him stable. 
I don't want him falling over this way. Oh, let's keep him stable. The man died. Oh, David said, oh, I'm terrified. To my knowledge, David had only known of how the Philistines carried the Ark of the Covenant. And they carried it on, hort, on, on will and, and chariot and how they, how they carried the glory of God. But that's not how the word of God had committed. It was supposed to be these, these poles are supposed to be put to the gold rings and they're supposed to be carried on the four shoulders. Hey, the glory of God's supposed to be carried. It's to be carried. Oh, his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Oh, we don't do things the way the world does. We're not to carry the glory of God the way the world does because it don't work. Hey, let it get tested. Let the way the world, let it get tested one time. And oh, that'll stop them in their tracks. But the glory of God is to be carried. Oh, and he said, there's a man down the road named Obed-Edom. Let's take it to his house. He had to have had some kind of good reputation. So he brought it into Obed-Edom's house. And for a few months, the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the glory of God, set in this man's house. When the glory of God comes in your house, there's some things that's got to change. Yeah, you may be saved and you may be qualified to be anointed, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But when the glory of God comes and when you choose to open up your door to let the glory of God come in, you got to make some real change. I'm talking supernatural change. Oh, what, what happened, what we normally do, well... On a Sunday morning, I'll go and I'll look in my drawer and I'll get aggravated because the socks don't match. Oh, when the glory of God comes, Isaac, you got to understand something. See, the enemy would want to use that little thing to cause strife on a Sunday morning to get to church to when you get there, you feel awful when the Spirit of God can't use you because you've had an argument over socks before you come to the house of God. Oh, but when the glory of God comes in, none of that. Because the closer you get to God, those little things that didn't seem like no big deal, the Spirit of God says, oh, just stop right there because that's the path that the enemy's coming in. You're going to be hindered. If you want me to use you, you're going to stop right there. He won't force you to change. Oh, but if you listen enough, you'll hear him tell you, stop right there. So the glory of God came in Obed-Edom's house. The ark was there. And the Bible says that the man was blessed beyond measure. Him and his family was so blessed. The word got back to David and David said, wait a minute. I went for it, and he ended up with it. He said, oh, God, I want the glory now. See, the fear was gone, that fear of just doing wrong, because David didn't understand. But once he understood what the Word of God said, he knew how to open up and do right. And I'm reminded of another story. Lord, help me to get this out. I feel like I'm about to explode. King Josiah was, in, was king, and... At that time, the Torah or the, the, the scrolls were nowhere to be found because there were evil kings prior to that. They set up idols and worship idols, and so there was no good going on at that time. Well, King Josiah was a godly man, and he set some men out to clean some stuff up. Well, they found the scrolls. They found the Word of God. They found the Torah. They opened it up, and King Josiah read it, and he began to cry and weep, and he says, God, now I see the truth. Now I know what your word says. Now I can understand. Now, I, oh, except we hear the word, how can we believe? We are to love our neighbor, but we are to tell them the truth. 
being kind and loving to someone and not in love telling them what the word of God says, that's not love because what happens is if I don't tell someone by the leading of the spirit that they're wrong, what happens is I've got selfishness because I want them to think a lot of me. And so I refuse to tell them. But see, what you don't understand is, see, what, what, what's happening again is you are making yourself responsible for the word of God. When God is responsible for his word, we are just responsible to relay his word. Amen? So what is his word doing in us? What is his word doing in us? God, I praise you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what your word does in us, God. It changes us, God. It makes us new, God. When they opened the scrolls and King Josiah read it, he began to repent. He began to cry out. He, he, stood up on, uh, he stood up somewhere and he read it to the people and said, we've been doing things wrong. We've been believing things wrong. It's time to clean up this mess. It's time to straighten things up. And they began to tear down those strongholds and those idols and those, those things that the previous kings had built up in sin. And God began to bless. But can I tell you tonight, it's time to tear down those, those idols and those high places of doubt and worry and those, those places that we have too long listened to the lies of the enemy and it is thwarted and it is perverted what the word of God said and we have begun to believe something that is not true in the word of God. If God says, I am the Lord that healeth thee by his stripes, he said, by my stripes you are healed. I sent my word and healed you. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know of anywhere in the Bible that someone that was sick and diseased came to Jesus with faith and left sick and left not healed. In fact, Matthew 14, 35 and 36 says, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they, would, they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. They weren't just, I'm better. They were made perfectly whole. My question to God, my question to myself, I, I don't know why I'm asking God a question that I should be asking myself. Why do I doubt that God can do that now? What, what stronghold in my mind or what kind of high place of doubt where I've, I've, a, a fear of the unknown has, has been a, a part of my mind for so long that I just fall back into, well, maybe it's just God's will. Maybe it's just God's will for this lost loved one to be like this. They're never going to come to the understanding. I've prayed too long for them. It's not changed. I don't know what to do. Uh, I've prayed for this sickness to be healed, and I keep getting bad reports. So I don't know. Maybe it's God's will for this to happen. All were made perfectly whole. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Lord, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is no sickness. There's no tears. There's no fear. There's no worry. There's no need. 
So if Jesus commanded us to pray this, that your Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, why can't we believe that if there's healing in heaven, that there can be healing on earth? Psalms 27, 13, and 14, David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. It didn't say in heaven, in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I don't want to, I don't want to wait till heaven to see healing on this earth. I don't want to wait till heaven to see fear gone and to see the enemy's grip off of the church. I don't want to wait until heaven to see prayers answered. I had fainted, David said, unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's now. That's before heaven. But he said this, wait on the Lord. He, see, he's not saying don't get mad because God's not doing it now. It's okay to want it now. But he said, just wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Be not afraid, only believe, the Lord said. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency and all things, may abound to every good work. Think about that. Every good work. Well, a good work is doing a work for Jesus. Winning souls for the law, for, for God, winning lost for the, lost souls for the Lord, doing a good work. That verse tells me that God is able. It didn't say God is going to make all grace abound towards you. God is able. That, that there's a, there is a contingency there. God is able. Well, what does that mean? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So tell me this. Fear, God can't make all grace abound towards you if you have fear. Faith, God is able with faith to make all grace abound toward us so that we can do what we need to do. So God's not going to give you your your lost loved one to be saved and your, your broken home or family to be restored or your sick family member to be healed just for yourself or your glory. He wants it so that there is a work to be done. There is a work to be done in this house. There is a work to be done in Sister Lisa's life, and I speak life over her. I understand that the doctors see what's going on in her heart and her kidneys, but I serve a God that who, can, who created her body in the first place, and if God's doing it, God is still healing, church. On the news, you, you see destruction, but I know there's healing going on. I've heard reports of healing going on in other countries. I wonder why they have less, but they're getting more from God because they have more faith. See, we, we got it too easy over here. We have it too easy. It's too easy to just lean on our own understanding. I believe, because the word of God said it, that my pastor's wife is gonna be healed. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I know why, because his word says it. I Listen, Brother Payne, it's the same for him. I, I, I have no doubt. 
it's because it's a supernatural thing. When you when when your when your spirit understands what's going on in the spirit, you don't rely on what your flesh says. We've got to we've got to to stop our stinking thinking and stand on the word of God. I'm healed. I'm saved. I'm comforted. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm covered. Brother David, if you would come. I believe it's time for the church. And let's just be, I just want to be specific. Let's just talk about this church to strengthen our infrastructure. If there's some cracks in the wall of our faith, we got to seal it up. In fact, let me say it this way. The Bible says that you can't put new wine in old, in old wineskins. So what God is wanting to do, we got to take that old mindset of the way we think God is going to work. We gotta, we, we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. Because what God is about to do in this church, we, there's no place for fear. We've got to come together in one mind and one accord in unity in prayer and believe. This is what God said. This is what we are going to believe is going to happen. And we are going to hold our pastor's arms up. And this battle is going to be won in Jesus' name. I declare it. This battle is going to be won in Jesus' name because the word of God says, Be not afraid, only believe. Only believe. That's it. Only believe. That, that's my challenge for you, for us and this congregation. Only believe. It feels weird at first because it's supernatural. But only believe. Because you can't see it, only believe. Let's, let's, let's stand. All we need is a word. Jesus was walking on the water and Peter said, Jesus, bid me come to you. Tell me to come to you. See, Peter couldn't do it until he heard that rhema word. This word is full of the word of God, but there's certain times that certain parts of that word hits you. Peter said, I need God to tell me. Jesus said, come. That's all it took. Jesus said, come. And Peter went. Peter went. You know what he did? He wasn't walking just on water. He was walking on the word of God. Walking on the word of God said, come. The word of God says, you're healed. The word of God says, you're free. We've got to walk on the word of God and watch his spirit move in our lives. Amen. Let's come tonight and just... Let's start off by saying, Lord, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Sing, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible.